0: For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change
1: creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Alex Withers, Chief Sales and Marketing Officer at Now. InMotion Now is a provider of workflow solutions for enterprise creative and marketing teams, and it provides software as a subscription services in the cloud for those teams. Alex is a seasoned digital technology marketing executive with 15 years of experience. He's been at organizations such as Pepsi, ESPN, USGA, or the United States Golf Association, the Financial Times in London, Sageworks, and LexisNexis, and finds himself today at InMotion Now. Alex and I met probably a few weeks ago. We both live in the Research Triangle area of North Carolina. And he was talking to me about a recent report that they released, the 2018 in-house creative management report by InMotion Now, as well as InSource, another organization. I was really intrigued by what the report had to say about creative teams, both inside of organizations and the potential impacts as I was talking to him about on agency teams as well. Today, we're going to get quite a bit into that, but also talk about a number of other issues and trends from you know, work moving in-house on company sides, as well as the implications to agency life. And we'll also talk about Alex like we do with all of our guests. I hope you enjoy this show with Alex Withers. Alex, welcome to the
2: show. Thanks, Alan. It's great to be here.
1: Well, we recently met and talked about a new report and we'll, we'll get to that in a few questions. But I first wanted to ask you to describe what is in motion now for listeners.
2: Yeah, so in motion now is a creative workflow software platform. And um, so what we do is we integrate with the rest of the marketing stack and plug a gap that has been pretty lacking in the last 10 years as MarTech has really grown and evolved and the sales and marketing machine has kind of zoomed off at 100 miles an hour with Salesforce and marketing automation. It's left behind the automated workflow required between creative and marketing. So InMotion now is a creative workflow software as a service business that powers the marketing and creative collaboration in the cloud. Nice. Well,
1: I know there's a couple of congratulations I should make to you. One is you had a new financing round, so congrats on new Thank money you. coming into the company. And then the other one is earlier in the year, it looks like you moved from CMO to chief sales and marketing officer. So congrats on getting more responsibility.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's been great.
1: Um, <laughs> more responsibility, more money. Yes. Hopefully that translates
2: to Yes, you. we couldn't be more thrilled with the investment round we got from Level Equity it's just, it was really fun getting to know them. They're a long-term investor. They've got a wonderful portfolio of companies. And for them to kind of come after us, it was an inbound, you know, mm-hmm. like what are they looking to invest in next? And they saw us and they saw the the growth in the triangle and they, they came after it and we're thrilled to have them.
1: That's great. So tell me a little bit about the chief sales and marketing officer role. What does that look like?
2: Yeah, so in, you know, in any software business, really in any Business, especially in B2B, you know, the funnel is king. And that top of funnel, which is the demand gen machine, both from marketing and outbound prospecting, sat under me. And then it was, well, given my industry expertise in the marketing space, migrating the bottom of the funnel under my purview seemed like a natural move. And the CEO asked me to do it, and I was thrilled to do it. I really enjoy it. It's not something that I've done naturally over the last 20 years of my marketing career. But it's certainly a lot of fun working with our sales executives in communicating value and adding a true thought leadership thread into our sales mission. And having all of the go-to-market commercial entity under one department has certainly streamlined our operation and made us a tighter unit. So
1: one of the things, I mean, you're focused squarely in the workflow of internal and external agency work. That goes on. Yep. there's a lot of talk about in-house versus outside creative teams and agencies, and it to me, as I talk to more and more CMOs, it seems like there is a somewhat of a shift bringing work in-house. Yeah, not all, but a definite shift right. in some regards. You know, I guess in your opinion, as you, where you said, do you see that as true, or how do you react to that?
2: So I think it's definitely true. I think it's undeniable. We have seen it probably for the last two or three years. So it's now a trend, it's not a single data point. So it's definitely happening. I think the question is why and how is that happening? I think that CMOs are enjoying having creative teams in-house that understand their brand, live the brand day in and day out, therefore they can ramp faster, turn projects quicker, You don't, as an outside agency, often you have to bounce between accounts and value props, whereas your in-house team lives and breathes that value prop every day. So I think there's a real advantage to having teams in-house. The in-house teams also have access to the tech stack within the business, to data. You can push your in-house team to be more data-driven because they have access to the same information you have. So there's a lot of advantages to it. There's also a lot of advantages to outside agencies. I've spent A lot of my career working with big ad agencies, big media agencies, and the expertise and creativity and brilliance that comes out of those agencies is unparalleled. So I think it's not a question of A or B. I think there'll always be both. I think the most successful CMO finds the right balance of each within their given organization and what they're trying to achieve.
1: Right. Well, let's pivot a little bit and we'll talk about this report that you had as a uh, I think it's titled 2018 In-House Creative Management Report, and it was by you in Motion Now and InSource. One of the first findings, or or I guess maybe even before we get into the findings, the folks that you surveyed, a key insight was how small the teams are. Seem to be less than 10, but they support a staggering number of internal stakeholders. You know, I think it's up up to 50 plus in some cases. Exactly
2: right. Yeah. That's,
1: That's a lot of pressure on 10 individuals.
2: It is, <laughs> and what's interesting is it scales. So you look at ten to fifty, then you look at a hundred internal creatives. They're servicing five thousand stakeholders. Wow, you know these yeah. big organizations. So it really does small, medium, large. That absolutely is a trend where relatively smaller teams servicing a disproportionately large stakeholder universe, and that's putting a lot of pressure on those teams. You know the. It's a bit of a be careful what you wish for as in-house teams because more is coming in-house, but that doesn't mean they're getting to scale their operation in parallel with the amount of work they're getting given. And as a result, they're getting put under more pressure. And we're certainly seeing that the value of in-house is growing, but the size of in-house is not growing as fast.
1: They're not adding, uh, you know, in the agency world, you'd add more account managers to manage so many stakeholders. That I'm assuming doesn't exist to the same degree internal teams have.
2: Yeah, so agencies, and this is part of the kind of the efficiency play for in house teams, agencies have spent years and years building operational systems within the agency around time tracking and resource optimization. Agency margins are thin. The work they create is amazing, but they have to be very efficient with their time and how they deploy resources. So as a result, they've been forced to be smart. In-house teams are often seen in the same way other departments are seen within the organization. And quite often, it's not at the head-by-head level. So the in-house teams working on that or working on that We'll just throw it at them. At any given moment, they might not be heavily used and they might be completely swamped. And I don't think there's the measurability for in-house that there is at the agency level, and that's part of certainly what we do at InMotion now is is the more mundane side of workflow, which is time tracking, resource allocation, resource optimization, so that these folks can. You know, a lot of the times they think that that type of time tracking and measurement is micromanagement, and they mm-hmm. don't want to track their time. But the glasses half full view on that is. Yes, but then you can justify everything you're doing. You can justify how long it takes to create a print ad Mm -hmm. or an online banner um, or a video. And in doing so, you can go back with data to the CMO or anyone else and go, guys, I can't produce all 15 of those things this week. Look at the data. It doesn't support the requests being made. Or let me hire more people. So you need data in to create a data argument out. Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, a tool like InMotion now allows you to do that.
1: That's great, that's great. I mean, having been in professional services most of my career, I hate time tracking, but I understand the value of it, so. Uh, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right, and I
2: and I hate it too. I'll tell you, I mean, it, it's tough, it's a tough sell, but when you see the outcomes right. and the ability to connect inputs with outputs, just the core process of the business is stronger. And then you can start to justify more resources and and sometimes, honestly, more time. Mm -hmm. There is nothing more frustrating for a creative team to be given outrageously short deadlines because creativity is not a transactional thing. You do actually have to have time to be creative. And you can't turn it on and off and spin on a dime. You've got to have the time to do it. Mm -hmm. So if you can create a better data-driven organization with those inputs that say things like, give me 4x the creative time on a project, I'll deliver you 8x ROI on that campaign.
1: That's good, that's good. Well, the next one I wanted to talk about is not really that surprising, but I think something we should cover, which is that clients measure the success of creative as it's tied to business results. That was kind of like, yes, that makes sense. But with creative awards ranking pretty low on the organization's importance, how do you think creatives are best motivated? And you know how does that translate into a, an agency environment as well?
2: So I think that awards are important. Certain awards are more important than other awards in the industry, right? There are impartial, respected industry awards, and then there's the pay-to-play awards. Right. The impartial, valued industry awards are still very valuable, I think. And I think it is still great to get those. Mm. But what we're seeing is this shift towards creative leadership, at least, being more data-driven We've referred to it as kind of the year of the analytical creative. Mm -hmm. Are they being more data-driven? Are they looking more at the business impact of what they do so they can gain a strategic seat at the table alongside their marketing leaders? So they're not just a service organization. I do think that there is a shift towards business impact being measured more, not just at marketing leadership, but Mm -hmm. at creative leadership as well.
1: Right. Okay. You know, agencies are notorious and I in some ways work for one. So have to be careful here. But, you know, they're notorious for chasing, if you will, the creative awards. Do you see with the teams that you support, I guess, from a technology standpoint, are there any shifts in motivation or management of creatives, you know, internal versus external? I don't know if you see that or not where you are.
2: I think that as a client, my job is to put the pressure on my agencies to be Mm data-driven. And they can win awards on their end, mm-hmm. but then if not delivering for my business, then they're not going to last right. long. Right. And an agency, I was taught, you know, pretty, I started my career in marketing at Pepsi Cola, and then I moved on to the Financial Times. I remember my boss at the Financial Times, who was the head of marketing, came over from Guinness, the AGIO, and he was an awesome guy called Gordon Willoughby. I'll never forget Gordon. He was a, just a great boss. He taught me how to have a better relationship with agencies and how to collaborate better with them. And in doing that, they became an extension of the team. Well, if you're an extension of the team, you better be an extension of the team across all facets of that team. Right. And if my group's data driven, you better be data driven. And as a result, I think agencies, yes, they should go out and get their rewards and good for them because mm-hmm. in their peer set, that's great. That's currency. Right. But in my world as a client, your day-to-day, you better be data-driven. And I think they are. And they're getting more and more data-driven. We have an, an awesome digital shop downtown here in Raleigh called Trimark Digital. Mm-hmm. And they are so data-driven. And they are such a professional organization that they truly are an extension of our teams. When we have our weekly status calls with them, it's like they're on the team. So they're the agencies that are going to win in, in this economy.
1: That's great. That's great. Thanks for going there with me. Demand for creative content, it seems to continue to grow both in volume and velocity. And those were the top two challenges, I believe, that creatives express. What do you see driving that?
2: So there's a, a couple of things. If you look at, and we talked about this earlier, the automation of sales and marketing through CRM, marketing automation, email platforms, it's allowing them to do more and faster. You then look at the kind of the data revolution and you look at how that is allowing personalization of messaging. So on the front end, it's all about me. And so therefore, the creative team has to produce so many versions of everything to service all these different personalized messaging platforms. And on the back end, as soon as the campaign's out, it's out of date. You're getting A-B testing results and analytics real time, especially, and we've got a webinar later today with our customer the container store around how retail really is the poster child for V3, right? Yeah. Volume, velocity, the ability to be agile and react fast to the consumer. So on the back end, all this analytics is creating this speed in the system. And then finally, and what was interesting, is the top two were volume and velocity, but skip over to number four, so pretty high up the list was variety of, of right. content. And that's all this multi-channel work we're now doing. Mm. You know, Gone are the days of print ad, poster, cinema ad and TV spot. Now you've got hundreds of marketing channels for a campaign. And that puts more pressure on the creative team too. So you put all those th- three things together, it's a perfect storm of pressure that they're feeling uh, to produce more.
1: That's great. It's a challenging atmosphere. When you talk about retail, there was a event I went to in New York. It's a group called Creative Drive, and they just launched and I guess it's called a CGI platform for imaging products that okay. you see you know, in a catalog as an example. Yeah. right? Yeah. And it was a pretty interesting technology to try to at least streamline some of the variety from a product shot to the settings that it's in. And it was pretty interesting. So I'll link to that in the show notes. But the interesting thing about it was that they can take the, say, a ceiling fan is the best example I can think of in the market for a ceiling fan in my house. Right. And I can you know hold my laptop or my uh, iPad more appropriately to the ceiling and see it on the ceiling as well as you know change out the picture that I see online to match more of my room colors or whatever yep. it might be yep. to try to really get a sense of what is that ceiling fan going to look like in my room. And so that's one way that technology is helping but I'm sure mani- still managing that process is a lot of workflow that you guys would need to help help automate
2: that's right because guess what the minute you hold that ipad to the ceiling fan what did you just generate right data, data. right <laughs> exactly. we now know you're shopping for a ceiling fan right. we know the size of your room We know <laughs> the style of ceiling fan that you like
1: okay now you're right? getting creepy but yes yeah, yes right. it's true exactly yeah, yeah. so now
2: now as the creative i is that a segment Right. It's right. the ceiling fan segment, someone I now have to build a campaign around. Yeah. Right? It all flows together. Does. So we have got to help the creative team be more efficient so that they can be more creative. Or well, not even be more creative, just hold. hold. Right? Yeah. Hold yeah. at their creative brilliance. <laughs> right. Without letting it be sacrificed by this huge weight on their shoulders. No,
1: exactly. Exactly. Well, one of the challenges you highlighted in the report was improving the creative project intake. And I wanted to get a sense of like, what do you mean by that and what does it look like? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood f.
0: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, you
2: know, I'm going to show my age here a little bit. But when I was at the Financial Times and at Pepsi... You know, we would run these big campaigns. And I remember when we signed, when I was there, the Spice Girls at Pepsi and we did on-pack promotions and we were at the concerts and we had the Pepsi Chart Show and they'd perform mm-hmm. on it and I'd help manage that. And it was a lot of fun for a 24-year-old <laughs> you know, kid out of college. We would write creative briefs and it would be a three to four page creative brief and it would sum up the objectives of the campaign, the key reference documents we needed and everything we needed to communicate out to our agency, our internal team, what that campaign needed to be successful. That needs to never be forgotten, and it has been. In this very transactional marketing world, we have spun things up quickly. We measure the data, but are we doing the right things? And have we kicked projects off the right way? And if we're engaging our creative team in the right way, it doesn't need to be a four-page creative brief, because yes, we did those 20 years ago, But that's because the campaign lasted for 9 to 12 months. So you had to do a creative brief maybe once a quarter. You can't afford to do those once a day. So how do you effectively kick off a campaign with a creative team, yet still set expectations clearly and communicate the right information up front so the creative team is efficient in what they deliver back to you? And you do that through... You know, dynamic forms. So in our system, we have the ability to create dynamic forms. So if you hit a radio button saying, I need a social media campaign, we'll drop down all the questions that you should answer as a client on social media. Mm-hmm. But you don't start answering questions on a video brief if you don't need a video. So if you can keep these kickoff expectations and processes efficient, but clear, mm-hmm. then you set yourselves up to succeed. And so it was fascinating when the report came back to say project kickoff, project intake, project briefing, whatever you call it, was the biggest pain point for marketing departments. Right. Not review and approval, which is pretty high up on the list, right? The right. ability to collaborate and get consensus on assets to get them out to market and not argue over them and have version control issues and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. I My gut feel was that was going to be the number one pain, was you get draft one of an ad or a campaign, and it takes forever to get it from there out to market with all the iterations and versions. But no, it was it was project kickoff. Teams are not aligned at the start of a project. And as a result, the project, the wheels are wobbly right from the get go.
1: Right. Well, and there was someone, I don't know if it was in the report or somewhere else I read recently, and I wish I could source who it was that said this, but they said that basically if there's three revisions to any creative, then the brief was wrong. And it th- I kind of stuck with me because we've all been through those cycles where you iterate, 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 and you realize kind of halfway through, and at that point, you should be thinking to yourself, sunk cost, let's start yep. over. But you're not because you've invested so much time to just keep going to yep. try to finish this off.
2: Yeah, and no, I agree. And one of the interesting data points that comes out of our solution for our customers, on the back end, we have this reporting suite, and it looks at you can do reports on who is going through more than three revisions, Mm. which clients, which divisions, which individuals are asking for eight rounds because they're not briefing you properly to start with or they're pivoting and changing their mind and they're spinning creative hours inefficiently. As a CMO, yes, your marketing managers are an important part of what you do. But so are your creatives. And wasting their time on inefficiency is just not smart because they're a very valuable asset to your department.
1: The fastest way to demoralize a creative is to keep asking them to change
2: things. That's right. (laughs) We have a setting that, and we use In Motion within our own business. We talk about drinking our own champagne. And (laughs) my team will submit work and Elise will submit something. We're doing some stuff with Adobe right now. And I can select approved with changes as an option and that immediately takes out the review cycle because i just said if you make those three things mm-hmm. it's good and there's no chance for me to come back in and go oh there was a fourth <laughs> i can't do it right i've right. said approved with changes yeah. so don't don't send it back to me cuz i'll find something else <laughs> right so get it done get it out and get it working for you
1: So one of the other key points that I picked up on, and we've been talking around it, I think this entire conversation for the most part, is the amount of time still spent on administrative tasks by creatives. Tracking hours, meeting with stakeholders, all of the rigmarole. I mean, just from the vast, like you talked about, the scale of how your stakeholders multiply as you get into bigger and bigger organizations. Is there anything you can expound on that you learned from the research or the findings or talking with clients about that?
2: Yeah, so the administrative tasks for creatives, you hit the nail on the head. Every hour they're spending on admin is an hour they're not spending on being creative and producing valuable assets for the organization. We find from our system, we've got over 500 customers now, and that creates a ton of data, millions of reviews a year. So we've got a lot of analytics in our system on industry trends and analysis. And we find that the average creative spends seven hours a week on administrative tasks. Wow! And so it's pretty easy to do an ROI calculator. And this is where, you know, marketing and sales comes together, right? Because there's nothing more impressive in a prospect when you can show them ROI before they buy your solution. And we'll go, well, how many creatives do you have? What's their hourly rate? Because in New York, it's more than in Chicago or New Orleans. So we take that and we multiply it out. And we go, this is the amount of money that you're spending on admin as a department every year. (laughs) What if you can cut that down by 50%? And so the ability to... And really, that inefficiency sits throughout the process. It can be cycles spun up on miscommunication at kicking a project off that we just talked about. It can be more than two review cycles. Mm -hmm. It can be chasing around the building for approvals. All of that is just time wasted. So if we can remove that from the equation, then our creative partners can be a lot more efficient. Other things, and, and sometimes technology is to blame. If you're creative and you've designed an amazing ad in the Adobe Creative Cloud, but you've got to then save it down to... A PDF, and then you've got to upload it back up, or print it and route it in Manila envelopes. Right. You know, we still talk to folks who are so excited, and and we're working with one right now that calls it uh, killing the paper dinosaur. Right, <laughs> like if you can just start sending stuff to the cloud for approval without having to print and route things, then your whole world becomes more efficient. Because you don't have to chase, literally, run around the building physically right. trying to get approvals on things.
1: Right. Well, good. You know, last question before I kind of switch over to talking about you, which is something I do in every interview on the show, is are there tips or advice you'd have for CMOs that are kind of tackling these creative team challenges as an organization or a stakeholder?
2: Yeah, so and it's a very simple thing. And so I'll go a layer deeper versus just leaving you with something that no one will think about solving. <laughs> but the simple thing is, you know, pay attention to the creative organization because it's an important part of your organization as a CMO at a more kind of cerebral level. If you think about why we got into marketing in the first place, most marketers will tell you it's because of the brand and they're proud of the brand. And I am a brand snob. I love the brands I work for. I'm very proud of the brands I work for. The in motion now brand should way outlive me. And I'm just a part-time steward of that brand. And so the pride I have in the brand is driven by what that brand represents. And what that brand represents is seen in the market through creative. And so if we if we don't pay attention to creative, we're really losing the roots that got us into marketing in the first place. So what I would suggest to CMOs out there is to be more introspective about why you got into marketing and then realize that by enabling creatives and your folks both inside in-house agency and outside agency to be the best they can be will enable you to have the best brand and the best creative out there. And that gives you that sense of pride and why you got into marketing. We all want data-driven. We all want ROI. But at the end of the day, being proud of the brand you represent as a marketing leader is important. So empower the creatives to go get it there.
1: That's a great takeaway. Well, so I do want to pivot to you. I love getting to know the person behind who I'm talking to and the subject matter. And in that effort, I love this question, which is, you know, is there an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today?
2: And that's a great question. I think I hit, I certainly hinted at it earlier in our conversation when I was at Pepsi and I'll caveat this by saying that was a long time ago. So that is not representative of who Pepsi is today. But when I was at Pepsi in London, we were very tough on our agencies and I, I certainly, in my first job out of college, had more of a client agency relationship. And what ended up happening is it became more transactional and the respect and the bridge wasn't there and it wasn't as collaborative and it became more of a service culture. And so one of the things that really set me up right from the start was when I went to the Financial Times and was taught to really leverage my in-house and outside creatives as business partners and not see them as a service organization and immediately saw the impact of that empowerment and trust and respect and the ability to collaborate. And doing that across organizations, that was really the seed that made me a better business leader because I can talk with other departments better you're not territorial, you're not protective. Mm-hmm. You literally have a true collaborative approach to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was, I always look back at that experience as one where I had to learn a tough lesson as this 25 year old kid that, you know, thought that he was amazing because he just comes through the Pepsi <laughs> program. And of course I was. Well, uh, yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> but I learned a lesson around how to be a better business leader and how to be more collaborative.
1: Right. Well, good. Well, what fuels you? What drives you personally?
2: I think it's the, you know, should be the classic answer, right? Which is family, friends. I think that building cultures where there's mutual respect. We have fun here. We Elisa's sitting in the room with us and knows that she gets to give me as hard a time as I get to give her. You know, just having a kind of non-hierarchical, flat environment, both at home and at work, and just truly really loving what you do, which is a really hard balance to strike. You know, how do you stay respected, mm-hmm. but still have an environment where people enjoy it. And that's at home, you know, as well. Like how do you stay friends with your kids, but, yeah. but also enjoy your kids? Right. And I'm having that fun with my six-year-old boy right now. So, you know, family, friends, coworkers, culture, it's really important to enjoy life mm. and try and de-stress as much as you can.
1: I love that. So, you know, stepping back, and and this is probably a difficult one for you to answer because you have clients, but are there brands or companies or causes that you think others should take notice of?
2: You know, I, one of the positives that, and there's a lot of negatives that have come out of social media and they've been kind of certainly brought to the forefront in Mm -hmm. the last year or so, but certainly one of the positives I think is, is around social collaboration around philanthropic causes. Mm -hmm. I think philanthropy is very important and the ability to rally as a community around causes and how technology has allowed us to do that is fantastic. I have a very dear friend of mine from my um, ESPN days um, up in New York City uh, called Donovan Andrews. And Donovan has created a philanthropic digital platform. And so he's taken all that he learned from digital, years of being a digital expert in Manhattan, and he's piled it into how can digital technology help the world? How can it help in every region of the world and every cause of the world. And then he's gone out and got brands like Coca-Cola and other major organizations to invest in his platform to say, we're all in. We spend millions on digital every year. We want to be part of this digital philanthropy Mm -hmm. and everything that we're doing. And those are the types of things I think are friggin' awesome. And, And those are the causes we need to support, people who are kind of following their passion and trying to do stuff.
1: Agree, agree. So last question, you know, get out your crystal ball. What do you see for the future of marketing?
2: It's interesting. And I this is a prediction that is a dangerous one that I'm not sure will will come true, but I kind of hope it does. I hope there's a little bit of a bucking the data trend. I would love to see marketing do a little bit of a rearview mirror on the power of the brand. The best thing that ever happened to marketing was the internet. The worst thing that ever happened to marketing was the internet. <laughs> yeah. This obsession with cost per click and yeah. cost per lead. And I mentioned earlier our yeah. agency downtown that we love because they're so data-driven. And I know for every dollar in, I get this much out. And that's fantastic. But, but what about the brand impact of those ads? They're creating an ROI for me, and I love that. But they're also creating great creative Mm-hmm. that looks stunning right. that has great value props from our product marketing team that inspires people and where's the measurement on that right. you know and i think that sometimes we've forgotten about you know when i was at, whether it be at, in sports or in the media world you know we would do these awesome spontaneous awareness surveys and you do qual research mm-hmm. on how did that campaign move the needle right. i have fond memories of sitting in research rooms with one-way mirrors looking at folks navigating ESPN.com and where they would find roadblocks in the design of the site and and real research that wasn't just about pay-per-click. It was also great because we got free M&Ms and, <laughs> and we get to sit there and just dig out all night. But, yeah. but the point is, you know, I want to see a return somehow to us measuring the impact of our brand and the sort of non-quantifiable pieces of marketing. And I hope that technology allows us to do that versus pushing us even further down the data-driven rabbit hole where we forget how important the brand is.
1: I hope that vision comes to light as well. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Thanks, Alan. It was fun. I appreciate it.
1: Marketing Today is brought to you by Atomic. Atomic focuses on unleashing the growth potential for clients we serve. Atomic is a strategic consultancy specializing in business, marketing, brand, and innovation. Our singular goal is to help you accelerate your efforts with the right mix of expertise, analysis, and creativity. Check us out at Atomic.com. A-T-O-M-C-K dot Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with writing and editing by Kevin Greeley, Social media support by Megan Woods, art and graphic design by Sarah Dell. If you're new to marketing today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners, and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today.